and welcome. We're the Pandemic Professors. With puppies. Coming to you pre-recorded. Using Zoom. 12 miles apart. With face masks at the ready. I'm Dr. Bowers. And I'm Dr. Barfield. And we're here with you now for connection, comedy, and comfort. On previous episodes of this podcast, we focused on the coronavirus pandemic, but we're currently facing another pandemic that affects people everywhere. Racism is present in every corner of the planet, and just as we need to work together to fight COVID-19, we also need to work together to battle racism globally. There are a few ways we can do this in our local communities, and one of those ways is to truly listen when people of color talk about everyday racism. On today's episode, we have the opportunity to listen to Quisha as she tells her story. Quisha, as a Black woman living in Radford, what has it been like for you over these past few months? It's been difficult. I lost my first job because of COVID. And then I had to find another one, which took about maybe three weeks or so. It kind of put me in a financial dip, I would say. And then I've experienced my first racial profile here. And that was a little scary as well. It was like COVID happened and the Black Lives Matter movement and then protesting, looting, rioting, and then I experienced that that racial profile. It's, it has been challenging. It sounds like it's been a devastating time, to say the least, and a time full of unknown and stress. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about what you mean by racial profiling. One night, me and one of my sorority sisters, we just had a taste for and they flurry from McDonald's. <laughs> so we got in the car and we went, we didn't think anything about it. We were in line and this white older lady was in front of us in the car. We were driving up, we stopped and people were coming out. Once it cleared, we proceeded to go forward. The lady that was in front of us did not want to move up. We were just stuck there. Every time she would move up, of course, we would move up more. But then she only moved the inch up so that we could run into the back of her. I think that was her intention. She pulled out her camera and started recording us. This was when the movement and the rioting and the protesting first started. So this was something that was fresh. We parked and waited for her to order her food and go to the window so that way we can order our food. Well, that's not how that went. So the lady, she ended up ordering her food and she went out. Well, we thought she had left. So we had ordered our McFlurries and we got in there and we were just so nervous. I was so scared that I called my father because this was during a time when things were fresh to me. It was fresh to the people. I didn't want to be another victim. We proceeded to go home and the lady was sitting in the exit from McDonald's. She was just sitting there recording us. We found another way to go around her without even engaging with her and we went home. That was very scary to me because of what was happening. This was during the time when George Floyd and several other Black men had got killed. This is when Taylor had got killed. So it was hard for me because that was the only thing that was going through my mind is that I didn't want to be another victim. I didn't want to be the next Black woman on the news killed. So after that, you know, me and my dad, we had a heart-to-heart talk and he was just telling me about 
what I need to do to make sure that I stay safe. What was the conversation as this was going on or, or afterwards? What were you both feeling in that moment? We were actually scared to leave the house for a couple of days. If we left the house, we made sure that we left with each other. Whether that was going to get gas or going to the corner store or going to the grocery store, we left at the pair at the unit. And we also made sure that our phones stay charged so we can have proof of whatever is going on. I feel like it was the timing that made us more scared, more paranoid. We were scarred by that for, for a few days. What were the feelings after those first few days and the initial fear worn off? After like a few days, one of my wife friends and her girlfriend, they came over and we were talking and I told her about the scenario and she was very upset because she knew me as a person and she knew that I would never harm somebody if they don't harm me. I could tell that she started to become very overprotective of where I went and who I was with. A lot of times if I would drive, she says, come pick me up and I'll be in the car with you just to make sure that I'm safe. On this particular day, I went to pick her up from work. We were coming back to my house. Radford had this peaceful protest for Black Lives Matter. And it was Black women, Black men, and also white women and white men. So when I seen that, I felt a little at ease to know that I'm not alone. Like there are people who are here that, that believe in the movement, that believe what is happening is wrong. I felt a little comfort there. I have a neighbor who also supports the Black Lives Matter movement. One day I was driving to work and she had put uh, the BLM on her car, on her house, to let people know that she supports the movement. Just to have someone in, in your community who believe in you and f it's fighting for you made me a lot at ease. You know, Quisha, you're talking about the movement, the Black Lives Matters movement. Is there anything that you want our listeners to know about the movement that maybe is being portrayed in media and it's incorrect? Or if we hear people say all lives matter, not just Black lives, what would you want them to know? I believe that all lives do matter, but if all lives matter, we wouldn't have Black Lives Matter because it's something that, that's happening only to Black people, specifically Black men. We have to have this movement, not to say that Indigenous people lives doesn't matter or European people lives doesn't matter. They do matter, but they're not more subject to racial profiling as Black people. For people who say all lives matter, I understand, but all lives can't matter if Black lives doesn't matter too. One of my questions for you, Quisha, is I've heard others in my life say, you can't fix violence with violence, and this is not a solution. What would you say to that? We all are human. We all have an emotional connection to people. It is our job to protect each other. But what some people's protection may look like is not the same of what your protection may look like. All police officers are not bad. And I say that because I've met a lot of white police officers here because I work at a donut shop, maybe. <laughs> but I've had several conversations with 
a lot of officers and most of them are based off race questions. I have encountered one police officer that used my race to justify his actions. And this was during a party when someone had blacked out, got drunk, and then came to our party. He used my race and asked me if he had everything that he came with and did we beat him up and take his stuff or, you know, just off the wall craziness. That night, I felt as if I was being targeted. But the next morning when I went to work, that same police officer came into that shop with another police officer who knew me on a first name basis. I sat and I had a conversation with that officer along with the officer who knew me. And that officer was able to tell me why certain questions that the officer asked had to be asked. But he also pointed out to the officer what he did wrong. So he picked up on that racial profiling. The officer who knew me by the first name basis know me as a person, but he also tied it into what his job title was as well. For people who are not fond of police officers, not all police officers are bad. At the end of the day, these police officers are people. They have wives, they have children, they have friends, and they have family members. And the only thing they want to do is get back home to them. Their job is scary. And I understand that. But as a Black person, the possibilities of not returning back home is scary as well. As we moved from where we were a few months ago, do you feel like there is change happening or change coming? Or is it continued frustration? I feel like there will be change, little bits and pieces at a time. But this is something that's going to happen over time. We are getting the attention of the politicians and the chiefs and the mayors and the governors, but I'm feeling like it's just the attention to make us stop and not make it to where as though people are penalized for what they are doing unlawfully to Black people. We need all states all around the world to put these laws in place. Growing up as a Black woman, I'm always judged by the color of my skin. I had someone tell me one day when I was in college that I was from the ghetto and my name speaks value because my name is Daraquisha. So to them, it's it's not a, a normal name. But once I opened my mouth and I spoke, they apologized for racially profiling me and, you know, being ignorant to my intelligence. I had to understand that I'm still a Black woman. No matter how much education I have, I'm still Black. And that will always be a stigma on me. If people have not had conversations with Black women or Black men, how can they start having those conversations? No question that you ask a Black person is a dumb question. You don't know our culture. We don't know your culture. We have different beliefs in the Black community than you do in the white community. Just talking to them or asking them questions would be a lot better than trying to put your biased judgment on them.
like I said, I have a few white friends that I never even thought I would have. One of my friends, she was the first white friend I've ever had when I came to Radford. I think it's maybe because we came from the same background. We understand each other a lot better. There were some things that she wanted to know about me as a Black woman versus her as a white woman. And one of those things were hair. She said, I heard that Black women don't like for people to touch their hair. And I said, that is so true. Because us as Black women, we wear our emotion on our hair. Whether it's in a slick bun, a nice fluffed out bush, cornrows, plaits, all of those things show emotions. When a woman wear her hair slicked back in a bun, she means business, sophisticated. When a woman wear a hat, she's closed in, she is on a mission. Those are some things that us as Black women, we just really share our emotion through our hair. It's a bit of a different culture but you won't understand unless you ask. That's something that I've, I've learned. And that's the same thing with my friend. She's like, man, me as a white woman, I don't do that. I just, whatever I feel like I want to do, I just do it to my hair, you know? But us, we take our time, put our emotion in our hair, and that's what, that's what we've adopted. You have to meet someone where they are and take them where they need to be. That's just something that I've always lived by whether that be financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally, anything that could apply to anyone. I like for people to try to understand people's culture. Don't be so quick to judge someone because of what another person told you about them. You have to take that risk and jump into it to understand why a person said, what they said and sometimes what people say are not always true so you have to test the waters yourself how can we be allies for the black culture i feel like if you want to know about the black culture there are people who would love to talk to you about the black culture um that goes back to what i was saying earlier sometimes having a conversation with a black person is a lot to us to me at least people have this thing where black women are always angry or we look mean or we look like we don't want to be bothered and that's never the case normally when a black woman just have a straight fade she's just thinking about something or she is mapping out what business she needs to take care of. Many people mistake anger, and that's never the case. Because all Black women are not angry. I'm a happy Black woman, actually. <laughs> you know, just having a conversation would take you further, and you'll be shocked how close you would get to that person as well. What would you say to others who are really stuck in that negative mode right now? I would definitely say that it's okay to explore something different than your culture. It's okay if people of your own community are not acceptive of what you believe in. 
it is your job to continue to be yourself and explore other cultures whether that means having a white friend, a friend who's trying to understand other cultures. It is your job to educate yourself. And it's also your job to go back to your community and educate them on that culture as well. If we can just do that, it will make it a lot easier for other cultures or other people of color to accept other people. You know, the theme that I keep hearing you say is we need to use our voices and come together. And if we come together to ask each other questions, to get to know each other's cultures and our individual stories, then we can start to take a stand together against discrimination and racism and unnecessary violence in our community of Radford and our surrounding communities. But it's really about coming together and instead of fighting against each other or perpetuating the stereotypes and the anger and the violence, we need to come together and get to know each other and to listen to each other. What I noticed is that a lot of us have selective hearing. We hear what we want to hear. Instead of us have selective hearing, we need to start having reflective hearing. So taking the time to be quiet and listen and understand what you're listening to so that you can understand what the person is asking for and what the person is trying to tell you. Thank you so much for giving us the chance today to listen, to accept, and to receive information from you. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Anytime. I thank you guys for having me. There are many ways to contact us, and we want to hear from you. You can go to our website, pandemicprofessors.wordpress.com, and look for the link that says, click here to leave us a voice message. Or you can email us, pandemicprofessors at gmail.com. Send us an idea for a podcast episode. Drop us a note of encouragement. Or send a shout out to someone you're missing and we may even put it on the air. Pandemic Professors is a podcast on belonging and connection in the midst of the coronavirus. Hosted by Dr. West Bowers and Dr. Sterling Barfield, we bring together the community of the New River Valley for conversations, comedy, and comfort.